I want to invite you to get out your Bibles or your Bible apps, whichever you're using today, and go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew. If you've been with us the last three weeks, this is a familiar passage that we're going to jump off from, from Matthew chapter 6. We've been in a sermon series entitled Pray Like Jesus, and today we're wrapping that up, and uh, there's intentionality of wrapping that up actually on Easter Sunday because we know because he's risen, that we can pray very boldly. And that's what we wanna talk about today. Previous three weeks, we've talked about how that we can pray like Jesus and pray like a child to our Father. Two weeks ago, we talked about being on the offense, actually, in our praying. And this passage we're about to look at has some phrases in there that helps us to know how to do that. Last week, we talked about being submissive in our praying, just like Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. So today, we're here to celebrate the fact that He is risen, amen? amen. He's risen, and He now sits as the Father's right hand on our behalf, and we can pray very boldly. That's what I hope you walk away from today. Before we look at your scripture in just a moment, I posted something on Facebook this week just to see what kind of reactions I would get, and I got some good ones. And here's what I posted. I posted a statement that just said, because of Jesus' resurrection, and I asked people to fill in the blank, because of Jesus' resurrection, I know, and you just, whatever you think you know and believe in, that's what you were asked to fill in. So I want to show you some examples of what some people said. The first one says, because of Jesus' resurrection, I know, that I have hope. One of our church members put that on there. How many of you know that you have hope because of Jesus' resurrection? Amen. Eddie Boyette wrote that. The second one was a little longer, and uh, this is a friend of mine here in town, Michael. He says, because of Jesus' resurrection, I know I have a new covenant with the Lord, and I can give up the laws of old for my burden will be easier and my yoke light. That's something we're celebrating right there. We're going to talk about this new covenant and old covenant that he mentions. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. A third one, uh, Julie just went to preaching. I mean, look at that. She said, because of Jesus' resurrection, I know he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is king of… We should say this together. Let's say this together. He is king of kings, Lord of lords, the Almighty, the great I Am, the Lion of Judah, Prince of Peace, Lamb of God, Redeemer, Deliverer, Creator, Light of the World, Alpha and Omega, Counselor, Messiah, and Savior. Amen. Thank you, Julie. Last one is a friend of mine from Tennessee, and here's what she said. I, this caught me by surprise. I think it's complete, nothing more needed because of Jesus' resurrection. I know. <laughs> Boom. Okay, thank you, Donna. The thing that we, and we could keep this list going. The thing that we want to focus on today about prayer is because of Jesus' resurrection, not a doubt should be in our hearts that God hears us when we pray. He is available to us at all times, no matter what's going on, and we can boldly approach Him as children of God. We can boldly approach Him. Would you stand and let's read these five verses from Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 9. And today we're reading these from uh, the New King James Version, and we're going to read verses 9 through 13. I'm going to ask Again, let's read this all together, starting with verse 9. Here we go. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. What we just read right there on that slide is the part of this prayer, this model prayer that Jesus gave his disciples that tells us we can approach him boldly. Let's say it again. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So what do you know because of Jesus' resurrection? Maybe that's something you can go home and think about. You, can, you have permission. You can go ahead and write notes this, uh, this while I'm talking for the next few minutes about what you know. But we definitely know that God is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's always present, he's all-forgiving, he's everything that we need. And because of this, we can pray boldly. And there's, again, we can make a long list of what does this mean for us, but I just wanna point out two things that I believe some of us in this room, I'll admit to myself, I'll admit to myself, I'll admit out loud to you, how about that, that these, both of these thoughts, at some point in my life, I've, I've been challenged about these myself. So that probably means everybody else has similar temptations about what might keep us from praying boldly. So here's the first thought. Because of Jesus' re resurrection, you can pray doubt-free. You can pray doubt-free. The enemy, who's the enemy? The enemy wants you to doubt God. He's been at that business since the beginning of time. He planted that seed in Adam and Eve's head that they should doubt God. And he's been about that ever since. That's what he wants you to think. Different thoughts. A couple weeks ago, Neil and I were talking in the service and he was sharing some thoughts that he used to have about prayer. And some of us said, yep, I used to have that one too. What, what were some of those lies that Satan can give us? Well, he doesn't really pay attention to everybody. Really? No, he doesn't. Now that's a lie. It makes you, he planting seeds of thoughts in your brain that cause you to think, well, he, he probably, maybe he's listening, but he doesn't worry about that. That petty little thing, I don't think he cares about that. If you just go home today, sometime this week, and just read one of the Gospels and see, quote, the petty things that Jesus cared about, yeah? If he cared about those things while he was here on earth, don't you think he probably still does while he's sitting by the Father on your behalf? He cares about all of it. So the lies that Satan wants you to believe will lead you to think, I I don't really know if I should pray this or if he really wants to hear this or if I should bother him. I've actually heard people say that. I don't know that I should bother God. If that's where you are, I'm just, please, no. The resurrection tells you that that's not a thought from God. That is not a thought from him. So you can pray boldly because, excuse me, you can 
because of Jesus' resurrection, you can pray doubt-free. Now, there's three thoughts on your notes, on your bulletin, that let's fill in some things here of how the resurrection lets me know I can pray doubt-free. Number one, his sacrifice was final. His sacrifice was final. Now, what, what is that referring to? The a statement by Michael about the new covenant and old covenant. In the Old Testament, the Jews, they, they had to do the same old repetition, sacrifice after sacrifice, the same one over and over. Why? They weren't perfect. Jesus' sacrifice was perfect. It was final. Look at these couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews is a strong book. If you want to read another book, I always seem to tell y'all y'all got, a, y'all got like reading assignments every week. I, I'm, if you do, then great, but you should go read the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 9, 11 and 12, he says this, Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. That verb, by the way, of, uh, translated has appeared, it has the imagery that he has come alongside. He came to earth to come alongside us in the position as our high priest. Continue reading. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered the most holy place. That means he entered into heaven once for all time. Once for all time. It's finished. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. You can pray doubt-free because that sacrifice, his sacrifice, completed all sacrifices. It's done. You don't have to worry about coming in and confessing something to your assistant pastor. I don't want to know. You know, (laughs) not my business. Because of his sacrifice the finality of it, you should never feel doubt toward praying toward your heavenly Father, praying through the sacrificial Son to the Father. You don't have to pray doubt-free because of his sacrifice was final. Number two, because his power was revealed. His power was revealed. A couple weeks ago, I read a prayer by Paul to the church in Ephesus in the first chapter of Ephesians. I want to read that again and let you hear how he's praying for them, but also something he wants them to know, something he's telling them about. Verses 15 through 19 of chapter 1 in Ephesians says this, This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. Here's what he says I pray for. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in his saints, and here's the connection, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this prayer that he's saying to you, it's like you, you see the exceeding greatness of his power through the resurrection. What does that tell me living in 2019? Here's 2019. Yeah, 2019, right? <laughs> I'm getting lost in the years. I'm not sure what year it is. In 2019, anybody ever feel powerless? 
Turn on the news for two minutes and you feel powerless at times. The resurrection helps you to know it's not up to you. It's not up to you. If you're trying to live in your own power, yeah, then Satan has all the room in the world to create doubts in your mind. Yes? If you're trying to live in your own power, and he's saying, Paul is telling them, I want your eyes, back in verse 18, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power? You don't have to pray fearfully or wondering, I'm not sure he's capable of this. Seriously? You're not sure he's capable? The God who sent his son for you who lived here alongside mankind and still, still followed through. He was with us. He knew who we were, and he still followed through. And it was final. Nothing you can do will make it get any better. This is another thing Satan wants you to believe, that I I have to somewhat earn, I got to earn this forgiveness. You can't do it. That's why he had to come. You don't have to pray doubt-free because his power was revealed, his sacrifice was final, and thirdly, his position that he now has, his position is permanent. Look at these verses from John 14. That's another great, when you're reading the book of John, pause in in 14 and, and read it several times. The whole chapter, he's teaching them, and there's some familiar verses in here, but the whole chapter he's teaching them about, I'm about to leave. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, but I'm, I'm gonna go to heaven. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And here's what he says in verses 25 through 28. It says, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Listen to this. Peace I leave with you. Not doubt. Not fear. Not wondering. Not questioning. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives, not as what the liar gives you. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. His position where he sits, we just sang about it in one of the songs, his position where he sits now after he rose and then ascended back to heaven, is he sitting right, behind, right beside your heavenly father, right beside him. He ain't going nowhere. I'm from Alabama. I get by with that occasionally. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. You don't have to wonder, is the connection still there? Uh-oh. He's permanently in that position on your behalf. There's no reason, no reason to doubt that he's hearing your prayers and he wants to speak to the Father on your behalf. So because of Jesus' resurrection, you can pray doubt-free. Amen? Let's talk about the second point. Because of Jesus' resurrection, you can pray shame-free. Shame-free. This is another thing that Satan wants many of us to get tripped up on and to sit in. Several years ago, uh, there's a ministry called Prison Fellowship, 
Anybody familiar with Prison Fellowship? Okay, a few of you. And one of the ways that you can be connected to that ministry is to be a pen pal to someone who's in, in jail. And I thought, well, how hard could that be? You know, so I signed up and got a couple of pen pals. And one of the guys that I was given the name for uh, had been sentenced, I think, to 13 or 14 years uh, for DUI manslaughter. One time, all it took was one time, of course. And he, he was a believer. I, I don't quite remember if he became a believer before you know, uh, this incident or after, but it, it was a little, it was crazy, the spiritual battle he fought in his letters to me. One letter would be, I, I'm so glad God has forgiven me and I'm, I'm doing really great and that I, I'm just able to minister to other people here and God is using me. The next letter, shame. Shame, shame. If you are in that position today and, and Satan is after you hard for whatever in your past because of Jesus' resurrection, you do not have to fear shame. Do you believe that? You need to live in that. Don't just wait for Easter to come around and live in that. Live in that daily. I do not have to be in shame, and I do not have to let that rule my life to where I don't even talk to Jesus. I don't even think about it because I don't think I can approach him. Yeah, on your own, you can't, but because of the resurrection, you can. So let's look at some verses about this. You can pray shame-free. The first thought, uh, let me... I don't want to mess up my quotes. I'm getting Tommy all, all fluttered up there. On the, next, on the next slide, before we look at some uh, verses, here's a quote that I read in a, a uh, Bible reading plan this week. It says, if you know who you are and you trust in who you belong to, that's God, then you'll be in a much better position to stand firm against Satan's taunts. If you know, and maybe, maybe that might be the challenge today, you're... I'm not sure I'm a child of God. Well, today, you can, you can take care of that. But if you know who you belong to, then you are already ready to deal with that shame. Let's look at a, a thought here about how you can pray shame-free. You can pray shame-free because your forgiveness is available. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 24. This is right before he was about to be arrested, and he's just uh, acknowledge, the disciples have just acknowledged him as the Messiah. Verse 20, uh, 46 to 48 of Luke 24, he says this. This is what is written. He's talking about himself. He's, he's prophesying about himself. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. Notice how specific he is there, by the way. He's not, I'm going to rise whenever I'm not sure. No. I'm going to rise on the third day, I'm just telling you, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things, to all the nations. Why was that important? That was important because at that point, they thought the Messiah was just for the Jewish people. He's like, nope, it's for everybody. Congratulations, you are part of everybody. Because of the resurrection, your forgiveness 
is available. Look at what Peter said in Acts 10 when he's preaching. And he's, he's referring back to what Jesus taught them in verses 42 and 43 of Acts 10. He says, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. You don't have to worry. You don't have to let shame keep you from praying because your forgiveness is available because of the resurrection. Second thought here, not only is your forgiveness available, but your acceptance is complete. Paul talked about in several places in his writings that when we place our faith in Jesus, we become a child of God. And he used some other language. We become an heir, H-E-I-R, an heir. We become an adopted child of God. That means every person in this room, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you have been accepted into the kingdom. Everyone. Doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your origin of nationality. Doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account. You are accepted because of the resurrection that is available to you. You don't have to pray fearing or feel like you've, I, I'm not, I can't approach him. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 confirms this for us. In those verses, uh, the writer says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He came to earth in order to accept our weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. We have a high priest, one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us, say this with me, approach the throne of grace with boldness. Say that again. Approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may have we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. The word mercy there refers to people who are just in suffering. Those of you who feel like you're suffering today, that doesn't mean that Jesus wants to shun you. He illustrated that over and over while he was here on earth. He understands that suffering. He suffered more than you. So he can empathize with you. He can sympathize with you. The thought about grace. Grace is referring to those who may feel helpless. If you walked in here today feeling helpless, because of the resurrection, you don't have to leave feeling helpless at all. And daily, you can pray and approach the throne of God knowing he has grace for you. He has mercy for you, whatever the situations are that you're facing. Your forgiveness is available, your acceptance is complete, and thirdly, your connection is eternal. Mm. It's not wishy-washy. It's not, well, I hope you do good enough and you might get there. Nope, it's eternal. Back to those verses from Hebrews 9 that I read, at the end of that uh, verse 12, it says, He entered the most holy place once for all to obtain eternal redemption. If you, 
mercy. If you, if you feel like that it's based on what you can do, your, your uh, eternal hope is based on you, know this, the resurrection totally flips that. It's not up to you. It's not up to you at all. It's already done. It's already done. And that's what the resurrection tells you. And that helps you to know how you can pray boldly. I read a comment from a a guy this week trying to illustrate this, at least to himself. And he was talking about how that uh, he got to test drive a car unlike what he normally drives. He drove a Chevy Cavalier. And he was given the opportunity to go to a test track and drive a Chevrolet Corvette Stingray. Cavalier Stingray. So before they gave him the keys, all they said you know, to him was, uh, you know, make it pretty. You know, keep, it, keep it clean. He said he got in the car after they gave him the keys, and he said he sat down, and he said just sitting in the seats, it was like the seats enveloped him and said, trust me. <laughs> just, just trust me. On the screen, I want you to see what he said after the test drive. He says, when I was given the keys to the car, I was given the ability to accelerate faster, corner sharper, and stop harder than I ever had before. Once I experienced what driving could feel like, I had a hard time returning to my old Chevy Cavalier. (laughs) When Jesus promised to give us peace, when Jesus promised to give you hope, when Jesus promised that he was never going to leave you, when Jesus promised that he was going to go sit at the Father's right hand for you. When he promised all of that, he didn't just offer any peace. He offered us the keys to his peace, to his hope, to his mercy, to his grace. His perfect, unlike anything you have ever experienced before peace, he offered us the same peace that allowed him to face all of the struggles of his life, including the cross with poise. His peace came from an unshakable trust that his Father's will was perfect and good. You have the keys to the most powerful source of life that there is, and that is Jesus. And he's offering that to you. If you have already received it, live in it, embrace it, submit to it, trust it, place your hope in it, place your faith in it. He is the key to your life. That's what I had this on for and what I hope you will take with you. If you didn't pick up one, pick Pick one up. If you picked one up and you're like, somebody else needs one of these to remind them of it, pick up another one. Share it with people. I don't have to worry whether Jesus hears my prayers or not. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to walk around in shame because of something I did 35 years ago. No. The resurrection tells me I'm free. I'm saved. Eternally. Nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus, nothing. The last song we sang a few moments ago was called Revelation Song. 
It's the last thing I want to share with you this morning. If you're musicians, if you want to go ahead and come up and start taking your place, we'll sing in just a moment. That song is based on the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is written by John, and at the beginning of the book, in the, in the first chapter, go home and read that chapter today, by the way. <laughs> but in the, in the beginning of that book, he talks about how that he heard a voice, and when he turned and looked, he saw the Lamb of God. All those lyrics that we sang about in that song, he said, that's, that's what I saw. His response to that was recorded for us in verse 17 and verse 18. There should be an image, Tommy, on the last slide. And I want you to see these two verses from Revelation 1, 17 and 18. It says this, When I saw him, I fell out of his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. When you pray, that's who you're praying to. That's who you're praying through to your Heavenly Father. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. It's final. I'm the living one. I'm not dead. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to everything. I hold the keys to everything. Whatever you are facing today, he has the keys for it. Let's all stand. And before Doug leads us in our, our song today, I just want to declare that over you one more time, those, what Jesus, the Son of Man, said to John. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys. I hold the keys. I hold the keys.